The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. And now, here's your host of Lead Tennessee Radio, Lavoie Knowles. Hello, I'm Lavoy Knowles, the Executive Director of the Tennessee Broadband Association. This special episode of Lead Tennessee Radio is being recorded as our state and nation respond to the global pandemic. For the first several episodes, we interviewed the leaders of the Tennessee House and Senate. But now we're shifting our focus to those men and women who are the leading the efforts to extend broadband to the unserved areas of our state. Our member companies are on the front lines of connecting the unconnected, and their CEOs are leaders not only at their companies, but also in their communities and in the broadband industry at large. Today, we continue this series of Lead Tennessee Radio with Chris Townsend. Chris is the CEO of DTC Communications, located in Alexandria, Tennessee. DTC serves nearly 14,000 customers across several Middle Tennessee counties. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Good morning, Lavoy. Good to be with you today. Uh, let's begin by talking a little bit about how your operation has been impacted by the pandemic. What kind of adjustments have you had to make to continue serving your customers in a timely fashion? Well, boy, that's a, an extremely timely question. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm pleased to say that we, we have been able to adjust just about every facet of our business to meet the expectations of our members and customers. Uh, we've seen an almost 300% increase in orders and truck rolls over the same period from last year. Um, and, and that sounds like a big number, but it's it's a real number um, as as we're finding people you know needing to connect to telehealth, telemedicine, um, entertaining from home, educating from home. Everyone obviously really good broadband connectivity, and we're seeing everything from upgrades to new connects just uh, coming in um, at, at a significantly increased uh, increased number. And so we've adjusted just about everything that we do. We have uh, allowed employees to, most employees to begin working from home to comply with the governor's uh, you know, orders that are coming out and, and, and CDC guidelines and recommendations. Um, we are uh, even having our guys that do have to go out in the field, they're, they're now reporting from home so that we don't bring them together on a daily basis to try to slow the spread of the disease. Um, our lobbies are close to walk-in traffic. Uh, we um, we, we are still open from a drive-through perspective, but even they're taking precautions on making sure that we're handling, um, you know, handling uh, payments and those type of things through the drive-through in, in a safe manner. Um, our techs do continue to enter homes and businesses uh, for essential installs. We have slowed down on a few things like, you know, adding a set-top box or things like that. We've tried not to go into homes for that, but to uh, add broadband, add voice, those kind of things. We're still going in the homes, but we're wearing PPE uh, in every home. We don't we don't enter a home without wearing that. Um, so we've you know we're communicating with customers more than we ever have. We're you know social media posts. We've done letters. We've done bill notes. Um, all of our customer experience representatives continue to answer the phone. Um, and I'll just give you an idea, Lavoy, with, um, <laughs> with with the two sets of storms that we had in March plus uh, the the uh, uh, the virus. Uh, we saw about a threefold increase in calls into the office as well. So needless to say, we've made lots of adjustments and all of our people have been 
um, extremely, uh, um, uh, I guess, committed uh, to doing whatever it takes to get our members served. That's great. I know you've actually had to uh, almost reinvent your business. You've yeah. had to make take so many changes, and it's uh, commendable for you and DTC what you've done. And um, even in this severe critical time, you've been able to increase the number of folks that's gotten broadband mm. by substantial numbers, and that that that's a uh, very very uh, impressive. And uh, congratulations to you and DTC. Yeah, Lavoy, I'd say just you mentioned numbers there. Um, you know, by the time we hit um, June, uh, we'll have added at least a thousand people to the network uh, this year. And uh, that, that's approaching what we thought would be our annual goals, um, just, just based upon, you know, the, the build out that we're doing today. So, Wow, that's very impressive. And, and um, again, congratulations. It's, it's difficult to have that kind of growth, even in mm-hmm. uh, regular business environments. But in this environment, it's, it's totally impressive. You mentioned a little bit about the uh, severe weather. I know we've had um, multiple storms and tornadoes uh, for our area, and um, it's been a particularly active uh, weather season. How has this impacted your service area? Yeah, we were hit twice in the month of March. On the third, when the tornadoes came through Middle Tennessee, we had uh, um, at least one tornado that came across Smith County uh, up close to I-40, and uh, we had about 1,800 customers that were affected by down lines and and poles and uh, there were several homes in our territory that were uh, impacted as well um, and so yeah we 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 responded immediately as would always be in in the case of a storm uh, crews went to work um, I'm I, I'm never um, I'm never ceased to be amazed but I shouldn't be amazed because our people are so committed at what they do you know we live in the communities we serve we're serving our neighbors and our families and and, uh, you know, we're, we're here to do everything we can to make our communities a better place to live. And so as those storms came through the area, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, um, I started getting texts before 3 a.m. with crews that were already out in the field surveying the damage. And we had about 80 percent of what was out reconnected within about 12 hours. And you say, gosh, how do you do that with 1800 affected people? Well, we were putting main lines back up. And so as soon as it was safe to do that, um, we were working with uh, uh, local power utilities to make sure we were safe. And of course, those guys do a great job in what they do too, uh, keeping the lights on. And uh, we were all out there together and, and, uh, and, and within about two and a half, three days, we had everything repaired. So given the circumstances, Lloyd, that was an amazing response by our crews and it was really all hands on deck. It wasn't, wasn't just our guys in the field. It takes everybody, as you well know, um, we're manning the phones to making sure that, uh, safety equipment's available and all of the above. So could not be more proud of our folks there. At the end of the month, uh, we had storms come through portions of DeKalb and Cannon counties, knocked about 600 people out. And it was the same story all over again, uh, just making sure it was safe to get in there. And as soon as it was, had most of it restored within a day and, and all of it restored within about two to three days. So proud of our team. Again, that's amazing that you can have that kind of response that quick, but uh, the listeners need to know that uh, our, all of our members, folks, live in the areas they serve, and when when there's a crisis, not only is it a crisis, but it's their family's crisis, their neighbor's crisis, and it's very important. It's very personal, and that's why some of your employees kind of work around the clock, and yeah, I know right. the first thing up is is always thought about is power, but then the next thing up is they're wanting connection to the world. They want to check on their friends and neighbors and connect to the world and get back connected to businesses and, and trying to get things back uh, as normal as they can. And 
and your folks are very responsible for uh, for making that uh, transition. And we uh, again, we appreciate your your all your hard work and efforts. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your uh, overall fiber program. I know we've talked one on one several times, and you you have a very aggressive program. And uh, just how much fiber have you deployed so far in your service area? Before we started uh, the, the fiber program, the decision was made by our board of directors in late 2016 to uh, try to build fiber in our entire territory and edge out, you know, to serve other folks that didn't have service next to us. Um, and since that time, uh, we've covered almost, well, I guess by now we've covered half of our territory. At the end of the year last year, we had built out um, and fiber was available to 42% of our members. It was about a at that time, that was well over a thousand miles of fiber, um, and we're we're well on our way to two thousand at this point. We, I think, we're going to build about six hundred miles this year, and that doesn't include the drops and and all that would go into to customers' homes. And so, so we're sitting here by mid next year. We'll we'll have close to seventy five percent of our membership covered uh, with fiber availability, um, and we're working on plans now on, on when and how do we get to that remainder of twenty five percent. Of course, we would love to be done and everyone have access today, but as, as you well know, uh, fiber is not free and it doesn't happen quickly. Um, it's a significant investment by our membership to, uh, serve themselves and their neighbors. And, uh, and, you know, we're, we're running with a combination of, uh, employees and contractors and, uh, just about everybody that we can get to work on this project is. So very proud of what we've done in the past, uh, essentially three, three and a half years to get about half of the membership covered. And like I said, uh, by mid next year, we'll be to about 75% and excited to continue to move forward. It's, uh, I, I will say this, there's never a dull moment. And uh, you, you add in the storms and the, um, <laughs> and the virus and all that goes on with that. I've made the comment a few times lately that it would be nice to come to work, build a little fiber, connect a few people and go home and eat supper. Um, that doesn't always happen, but, but we never lose that court focus, Lavoie. We know that um, you know, we do everything we do because people matter, um, you know, and we really um, provide, you know, broadband and technology solutions, um, you know, to our members and the regions that we serve in an effort to improve the quality of life. And so we're not losing on that core focus and uh, it's exciting to do what we're doing. And uh, man, when people get connected that haven't been connected and you hear those stories, um, you know, of educating at home and, and, uh, oh, all the things that, that go into being able to work from home now, gosh, we've seen, um, you know, we, we, saw, we saw an extra 500 people working from home in the first week after the virus uh, hit. Um, and, and so I could go on and on and on, but the fiber program is enabling that. Um, and it really is providing the state-of-the-art connectivity that people require. And we're excited to be in the midst of that program and pushing hard to, to get everyone served. That's great. That's very, again, very impressive um, to even, uh, start thinking about 75% of coverage of fiber to the home. And um, I know you've put a lot of effort in the board. Your board has put a lot of money into that, that project, uh, those projects. And uh, it, it, it's, um, you're going to see huge benefits from it. I think actually the results of the, of the pandemic, you've seen some results of having fiber in your network. This, you can't grow 300% or 300 times what you would normally have if you didn't have some fiber backbone already in your system. Yeah, Lavoie, we talked about that at our board meeting that, of course, it was a virtual board meeting last week, but we talked about that. And, um, you know, we, we said it's, it's phenomenal that we have a representative board. You know, they're elected from the, uh, from the local communities in which we serve. 
and they're there to serve those communities and they're there to listen and hear and make sure that we're making good uh, decisions with the members' money. And uh, we actually talked about this, the investments that we've made over the last three years to improve our network, the fiber we've added, um, upgrading our, our routers and the, just the core network in general. All of that money that's been spent has enabled uh, these folks to be working from home and educating from home and all of that. Had we not done those things, had that board uh, not made those decisions, would have been in trouble. Um, you know, and we've got, there are communities still in Tennessee that don't have that kind of service. And so I know with the Tennessee Broadband Association, our members are out there every day, uh, really, really trying to get the job done and get communities served. And, and, you know, we're, we're really, we're really getting that job done well. And our communities are, are thriving because of it. So proud to serve in that way, proud to serve with this board and, and our employees. It's, it doesn't, it's not just one of us. It takes all of us to get it done. So that's true. And I, I know that you, again, you made a huge, uh, monetary uh, uh, investment in, in fiber, but you've also, uh, in the past, you've, you've gotten some uh, state and federal grants. Would you want to comment about that project a little bit or those projects? Yeah, uh, in, in the round one of uh, Tennessee uh, ECD's um, uh, you know, broadband accessibility grants that they gave out a couple years ago, we were a recipient in that first round. I know there's been three rounds now. Um, and a lot of the Tennessee Broadband Association members have been successful in obtaining those grants. Um, but we got a grant to serve uh, unserved portions of Wilson and Smith County. We've completed the build out of that, uh, those, those two grant areas together. And, you know, boy, that, th- those dollars enabled us to build an area that was very expensive. It's rural, it's rough territory. And this is part of the reason it hasn't been built out before. And, you know, we were, um, we were excited to get the grant. We knew that there would be a high demand in those areas. We never dreamed um, that it would be as significant as it was just in the, the, the portion of southeastern Wilson County that we built out close to the Watertown community. We've connected 300 people there since January the 1st, um, and hundreds more are on the way. We're getting orders faster than we can fill them. In addition to what we're doing in the, uh, in the ILAC area, the same went for the Smith County portion. It was a smaller area. Uh, close to Rawls and Plunkett's Creek, but those areas have, uh, uh, the, the take rates have been extremely high in a fast amount of time. It just shows you how much people need the connectivity. We have applied for more state and, and federal grants. We've, we've applied for uh, some reconnect grants. We've not been awarded those yet, but we're still working on that. And, you know, the, uh, both from the state and federal side, there are some dollars out there and we're doing everything we can do um, to, 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 to get a hold of that money. So it helps us you know, move into those unserved areas that are, are really, really expensive to do so otherwise. So um, I'll make a comment, Lavoy, about the Tennessee grant program and, and the folks there at the ECD that we work with. They have been uh, uh, really good at communicating back to uh, our industry and providing a program that I know is looked on across the country um, as a very successful program. I have the privilege of serving on a national a, a committee um, that works on government affairs from a national association in our industry. And Tennessee is looked at as one of these few states, uh, just a handful of states that has a broadband grant program um, that is really getting the job done. I know a lot of times there's concern about the way grants are handed out and does it have the right effect. I can tell you right now, when the money is partnered from the grant programs with the money that we're required to put in, right, at least half of that, uh, millions of dollars that we're spending too, when you put those together and you go to those communities where people are not served, it's making a real difference for the lives of Tennesseans, and we're thankful for, for Governor Lee, uh, for Commissioner Rolfe, for uh, Sammy Arnold, and for uh, all the I, 
all the different ones. I mean, not, not really trying to name drop there. I'm just, these are folks that are out there listening to the needs in Tennessee. Uh, they, along with the legislature, are ensuring that we're all uh, getting it done. And then uh, Crystal Ivy there in the broadband office herself is, is, is amazing to work with. So we're thankful for the state for all that they're doing. And, and I know that our communities are proud to be part of that program. That's great. I know that you've been very successful with the grant program and, and good luck on the reconnect program. We hope you get some money yes, there for Tennessee as well. Yes, um, but it, that, I think that's uh, the average consumer don't really understand how capital intensive uh, the broadband industry is. And it's more so even in the rural areas because you've only got so many customers to spread your investment over. That's if right. you're in a metropolitan area, you may have three or four or 500 customers per mile to recover your investment. Yep. In your area, it may be six, seven, eight customers per mile. Right. It's almost identical investment, um, except for maybe a few exceptions, but for the most part, it's the same investment. And it's just really tough to recover. And that's why I'm so um, appreciative of you and your board making the financial commitment. And um, any, any, any uh, uh, guess of when you when you're projecting you might be close to 100% fiber to the home? LaVoy, <laughs> well, I thought about that question earlier today. I think about that question a lot. And uh, while I don't want to make a commitment um, uh, to that, I, I'll tell you what will make that decision um, for us ultimately. We're going to get it done as fast as we can. Let me say, even physically to get it done, that last 25% will take two to three years, just based upon the, the terrain and and. And again, the amount of money and the number of miles we're talking about there, um, you know, so so our board will be considering that we'll be working on that decision through the rest of this year. But Lavoy, it's going to come down to, um, you know, times that this there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, in the world today where we live. And one of the things that, you know, availability of funds will be an issue there. You know, I mean, um, you know, can we um, utilize member money and can we? borrow money uh, at an appropriate rate to get that done quicker. So again, I think without throwing a number out, I mean, I'll say, obviously we want to get that done um, in the next, um, you know, three to five years. I mean, I'm, that's, a, that's a window I'm throwing out there. That's what we'd like to get done. That number will become shorter, assuming that uh, the, the economic stability comes back and we have access to funding to get it done quicker. That number could be lengthened um, if, if, if that doesn't happen. And so, Another way for me to say that, Lavoy, I, um, I said this to my board when they first hired me in 2016. I want us to make decisions for the benefit of our membership and our communities in a way that we can lay our head down on the pillow at night and know that we did the right thing by the people we're serving. And so um, that's a fair question you ask. I don't want <laughs> to set up unreal expectations, uh, but at the same time, I want, our, I want our communities to know that we're working as hard as we can to get them served. And we'll have fiber available to them the very first day. It is uh, a good business decision to do so. That's the best way. Totally understand. And things change. And uh, also one point uh, to make, as you expand in these areas, you're also inching out in some areas that were not your traditional areas. So maybe you're getting money from a state or federal agency that uh, allows you to expand your footprint. So therefore... That fourteen thousand that you talked we talked about earlier it could be eighteen or nineteen or that's twenty thousand right. by the end of the five year period. So that's that's, that's, that's good right. for all your members too. Well, and we and we uh, yeah absolutely. Well, there's two points to be made there. I think that you hit on. Um, you know, not only have we grown in total number of customers. Um, I looked at numbers yesterday, and just since mid 2016, 
we've increased the number of, of broadband connected customers to our network by 25%. I mean, so that's an amazing, um, you know, that's an amazing number that that many more people are taking the broadband product than what we had even just, you know, three, three and a half years ago. Um, and, and part of that, I think it's important, you know, we're talking about how long does it take to get fiber built out? How, um, you know, when are we going to get the members served? And we get questions and these are fair questions about, well, why are you building in a community next door, right? That's not in the membership. When you've got members who are still unserved, we are a membership cooperative. And, um, you know, the answer there, Lavoie, is we're, we're trying to serve those people in those communities that are unserved. But obviously, um, as we do that and make good business decisions, that's where the grants come in to help. It helps us serve our membership quicker. And so, again, um, you know, just because we're a, a nonprofit cooperative doesn't mean we don't need profit, right? You got to exactly. run a business well to make it work. And uh, we're trying to make those decisions to serve people. And that also helps us serve our member members more quickly in the process. So good right. point you were asking. Yeah. Totally understand. I'd like to circle back uh, to the crisis we find ourselves in um, on both the state and national level. It's, it's really a multifaceted crisis. Uh, it's a health crisis first and foremost, but it's also an education crisis a jobs crisis and a financial crisis, unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetime and hope we never see it again. Um, what does that do to the urgency that we have, we have to connect all Tennesseans to a reliable broadband network? Well, Lavoie, we've known for, you know, quite some time that broadband is the medium of connectivity um, that people are choosing at this point. I mean, um, you know, when our, when our cooperative was started in 1951, it was started because people needed to connect with other people. They needed a good voice line to be able to make phone calls and connect with their neighbors and with people across the country. Um, and, and honestly, when those neighbors came together to, to put this cooperative together to serve each other, we just continue to build on that foundation. It's really not changed. And so what we're doing is we're continuing to build out a network that helps people connect. And now with the crisis that we're under with uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus, it has never been more real to us that we're doing the right thing to serve Tennesseans. Um, I, I mean, it's, like I said earlier, we've seen a significant increase in people working from home. Um, obviously, many, many, many of our students are doing homework from home. Um, you know, we, we've, we've even went so far, Lavoie, as to put up some hotspots in our community uh, for those few people who who don't have connectivity, right? Um, or maybe they live just outside of our territory and don't have connectivity yet, or they can't afford connectivity today. We've put up hotspots because they can't do their homework without uh, access to the internet. Um, it's just quite honestly, Lavoy, there's not any facet of our lives that isn't touched by connectivity um, that is enabled by a good broadband connection. You can't pay for your groceries at the grocery store without a debit or credit card. It's hard to pay for fuel any longer without that. And it just goes on and on. So um, we see this as an opportunity to provide a, uh, um, an essential and critical um, um, medium of connectivity uh, that helps us be more successful and have a higher quality of life in the regions that we serve. Um, and to do that, Lavoie, I'll, I'll make I'll, this maybe isn't exactly what you're asking, but we've really tried to focus through this pandemic and said, because this is so important that we get people served with this service, we want to, um, you know, we want to make sure that we ensure employee safety, uh, member and customer safety, and 
business continuity. And so we're just trying to make decisions that get people served, keep people served, and do it in as safe a manner as possible. Well, that's great. And again, congratulations on your efforts and uh, your progress that you're making. It's it's a phenomenal amount of work you're doing, and we we all appreciate you. All all Tennesseans appreciate what you and DTC are doing. Thank you, Chris. My guest has been Chris Townsend, CEO of DTC Communications, and you've been listening to Lead Tennessee Radio, produced by the Tennessee Broadband Association, cooperatives, and independent companies connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class broadband. Thank you for listening.